0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at LuckyMojo.com. I'm your announcer, Reverend Art of FullConjure.com in North Carolina, and in just a moment we'll be joined by our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California, and Conjureman of ConjuremanConsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week we welcome a special guest reverend james of FolkConjure.com in north carolina bringing us today's topic on unusual figural candles they will take your calls and offer advice to address ameliorate and remediate your questions and problems about love money career spiritual protection using traditional african-american folk magic practices of hoodoo or root work as divined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time can learn a lot just by listening. But if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment. But first let's catch up with our co-hosts Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman.
2: Miss Cat? Hi, Reverend Art. Well, um, half of what you said was, you know, expected and true, and the other half was expected and hasn't panned out yet. Sixty forty. Uh, we're, well, 60, 40 <laughs> yeah. we're Yeah, you're right. Maybe seventy thirty. We're broadcasting. We believe on Blog Talk Radio. We see the little red thermometer moving slowly forward. Time is passing and we are being recorded. However, Blog Talk Radio's chat function has failed us. And so although we usually have a full house of people in the chat, we can see nobody. If you want to call in, if you're listening to this, I don't even know if you could call in and hear this on the phone,
0: you can. but
2: you may, you may be able to. And um, I know we have a couple of people have phoned in. So um, could you give that number?
3: The number to is 818-394-8535. Is...
2: Do it once again.
1: 818-394-8535. 818-394-8535. All
2: right. If you call in on that number, you'll be able to be in our communicatory back channel, but it will not be printed out as chat. Maybe someone will take some notes. Maybe it will be Nagashiva. We hope so. Also, we hope that Nagashiva will bring me the hot water to make my tea a live event in my empty little cup. Of
4: course. <laughs> That's,
2: uh, we're, we've been uh, uh, really scrambling here. So things here at Lucky Mojo are going very nicely. Um, we have spent a lot of time working on wholesale orders this week. For some reason, it never rains, but it pours. Lots of wholesale customers, and we're very glad to have them. Been making uh, uh, candles for them and also a lot of packed herbs, and somebody went crazy on spell kits and um, ordered a whole lot of spell kits wholesale, which was great for us. They take a little longer to make, but it was a lot of fun. So my thanks to Nikki, Colleen, Eileen, Heidi, Max, Bay, and Shiloh for having kept everything going this week and doing really well. So, I've been working myself on my own little projects, which as you all know are one thing and another. I've been working on uh, the projects I've been working on for a while, which was about lucky coins. I think I'm about done with that for a while. So, Next, uh, on the 7th, the next Patreon uh, I produce will be on a different topic. I try to change it up. I think it's my Gemini Rising. I'm going to probably be doing something that I have no idea what it is at this moment, which is fun for me, Um, working on uh, things that interest me and then writing them up and making a, a... kind of a new exploration for myself or downloading something that's been sitting in my brain for 40 years and nobody ever asks me about it. When someone does, I go, oh, I can unspool that entire range of thoughts. I like to do that. So I think there's a scheduled plan. for
0: the 28th, uh, actually.
2: The 28th, oh, you're absolutely right. Okay, well, I don't know. Will the 28th be another lucky coin? Probably it will be. I'll probably want to finish off the whole lucky coin event. I think that's sort of a thing. And then, then I'll move on to, oh, who knows what, you know, something else, <laughs> probably uh, old um, tea leaf reading booklets or something of that nature. So as I have to thank my Patrons, They've really been very indulgent of me as I just wander around the ephemera that are in piles all around me and write up articles on some of the most obscure parts of metaphysics and occultism. And uh, everybody seems to like it, which is very indulgent of them, and I'm very grateful for the the support. You guys have been with me for many years, and here comes the tea. So, uh, Conjurman, how are things in your world?
5: Things are are quite well. We are dealing with the wilds of technology uh, and and chugging on so hopefully everyone can hear us and they're able to connect with us uh, and, uh, you know, (laughs) And Block talk Radio is one of the funkiest technologies around, but, you know, we, we do what we can do. Uh, and it's been, it's been a stalwart companion of ours for ages. Uh, this has been a really interesting um, a month for me. I've said in the past that we've been doing a lot, a lot of love work. But it's interesting, like something shifted drastically around Monday of this past week, where suddenly I had a massive influx of everyone asking about career. It was like Valentine's Day, you were, the lead-up to, <laughs> lead to Valentine's Day was all love, love, love. And then the second it passed, everyone's like, all right, now talk to me about my job. <laughs> that well,
2: been, you, that shows me that you were one week behind me. Because oh, that's I'd, yeah,
0: you're doing I'd already stuff, right? made
2: that leap to all the career people. And I couldn't, you know, <laughs> I was like, and you were going, oh, no, no, I still have love. And I thought, well, maybe they don't dislike my love work anymore. But now it's no, all I career it for you, too. Yeah.
4: now I think <laughs> the
2: trend finally got up. Yeah, it's been it's been amazing for me with the people who want to change their careers, yeah. stay in the department they were in, leave the department they were in, completely go into another occupation entirely. Is that what you've been seeing?
5: Yep, it's, it's people are all about. It's not about like finding new jobs. It's about moving jobs shifting mm-hmm. career shifting positions. It's very interesting it, there's a there's a nuance to sort of job work. So I'm not doing a lot of uh, find me a new job or, or I've been out of work for years which it's more like I need to get a promotion. I want to mm-hmm. change to this other position, or the one that I've been dealing with that just came in Thursday, was uh, they want to stay in the same job, but move to a different location in a different city and that was interesting because it's technically a moving work. It's not actually a job work. It's a it's like location and house stuff. So it's it's been it's been interesting and it's been very fun working with these clients and figuring out the best way forward for them.
2: Mhm. Yeah, well I've been seeing that too and um a lot of requests for people who want to start a side job as well. There's a um, I have a job, but I intend to retire in five years. Can I do this other thing? It's been interesting um, to see there's a bit of discontent in the wind with the the jobs, you know? And I'm always here to encourage people. I encourage them to become their own boss. Don't work for a corporation unless you absolutely have to, and only as short a time as you must. Have your own um home, a secure place to live, and then start being your own boss. Or work collaboratively with other people and cut up your credit cards with um, a pair of garden shears into tiny little pieces and make them go away and only use debit cards and then start putting aside savings. So that's my advice to everybody and I give it freely. I've feel sometimes like I'm a broken record. People say, I heard you on the radio talking about cutting up your credit cards. Can you give me a spell to help me cut up my credit cards? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, a pair of shears. <laughs> you can anoint them with cut and clear if you want to, but in the end, you're going to be cutting up your credit cards if you want to be a prosperous person. Quick update, Miss Kat. Yeah. Listeners are checking in through
1: Instagram and Facebook saying they can hear us just fine.
2: Oh, wonderful. Okay. Well, I'm kind of taking notes here, although I won't have timestamps on them, But uh, and I hope others are taking notes and we can assemble a sort of a chat. Um, will you be able to, Art, get people's questions or comments via Instagram or Facebook and maybe introject them during our conversation?
1: I will do my best.
2: Thank you. Your best is always good. So... Um, Let's bring in our guest who's been patiently waiting, uh, Reverend James. And Reverend James is going to talk to us about unusual figural candles, which he and Art are some of the creative makers of. But first of all, let's find out, Reverend James, how are things in your world right now?
5: Welcome. Welcome.
3: Thank you, Ms. Cat. Thank you, Conjure Man. Uh, things are going well. We just had a little cold snap, though, as things were getting warmer. So uh, we kind of had the heat on a little bit higher <laughs> than we would normally. Um, other than that, uh, we have gotten some new equipment for our candle-making processes. Um, we've gotten bigger melting pots. Um, so that will help us get things done a little bit quicker. Uh, that's pretty much the newest thing
1: that's going on.
2: Okay. Well, this brings us right to our topic, which is unusual figural candles. So I hope you indulge me for a moment. I'm going to talk a little bit about the history of figural candles. So figural, figural candles really only came into commerce, and I hope someone takes a note here or something, because I can't type and talk at the same time. Figural candles only came into commerce around the time that petroleum wax was developed. You can make figaro candles out of beeswax, and of course people always have, but there was no real commercial trade in them. There was uh, the ability to carve beeswax, and people would carve very elaborate uh, figures or decorations onto beeswax, but beeswax can melt in hot summer, especially like in the Midwest and East Coast where it gets very hot in the summer. And so there was no real market for cherub ornamental candles. And when they were first introduced, when petroleum wax came in, they were usually called novelty candles. And if you look at old catalogs going back, you know, 1890s, 1910, 1920, 1925... The figurals are usually marketed as novelty candles. Now, we tend to think of them as something unique to occult and metaphysical shops, to hoodoo candle shops. But that's not true. They actually began as holiday candles primarily. So there were singing carolers, you know, the three little children with their caroling books open, and they were singing. Um, These kinds of things were very common in in the 20s. They became extremely popular, and they were made of very hard wax and often painted wax, you know, to make them look more realistic. Black cats, witches, all of these types of things were made. Egyptian motifs during the King Tut fad and craze. These candles were common, and they're also developed around the, the late 30s what was called whipped wax or the snowball technique. And this is where you whip air into partially melted wax. And then you dab this on and it hardened. And so snowmen became popular. And candles were then also decorated in such a way that the candles seemed to be in a candle stand with snow or dripping wax on it. So they became um, self-reflective of a candle in a candle stand. And all of these were sold everywhere and in five-and-dime stores. They were not unique to the metaphysical world. However, they were picked up by metaphysical candle burners almost immediately. Over the years, some of these candles became more popular as metaphysical candles and in particular the nude man and nude woman which were not being sold at Woolworth's you know or you know any of those dime stores because of course that would be too much so these were the first candles that became only sold in candle shops and they were usually not even labeled naked or nude or anything like that or even Adam and Eve at first the first ones were labeled things like idle candle I-D-O-L, idol candle, or mm. image candle. And they didn't want to say what they were. They would just show a picture. We carry image candles. And then after that, some of the genital-shaped candles came out. And those were called member candles, as in genital members. And they would say female member candle, male member candle, no picture, no picture at all. And these were kind of a secret that were kept behind the counter. They were not put out where you could see them. Even well into the 60s, if you went into a candle shop, you could ask them, do you have any male member candles? And they'd reach under the counter and say, what color do you want? (laughs) Because they were not on a shelf. But as time went on, those became more common. And along with them, some of the other candles of the 1960s that became popular were a snake going up a pillar um, and this was supposed to be related to voodoo, um, and these, some of these images don't uh, aren't used in candles much anymore. That one had its fad; it lasted for twenty, thirty years, but you don't see it much anymore. The witch with the Welch witch hat on, very common, very popular, still around. Yep. The crucifix candle, which really started in the thirties, has retained its popularity, but. Over the years, as molding processes changed, um, there was candle shops could get their own molds. And this is where we're going to go into unusual candle shapes. So having said that, we now have companies that have their own molds make all kinds of unusual candles. One of the most unusual that I ever saw was a graveyard. It was a, a row of little gravest uh, crosses, and it It came in white and black and it was a row of them and you could set them up and make a little graveyard and you could then have a lying flat on its back, dead corpse, you know, black person candle. It came in both male and female and you could then put this person in the graveyard in candle form. haven't seen those in years. There's always something. So having said that, I'm going to bring in James and you tell us about how you got into unusual candle shapes well i'll start
3: with how i got into making candles um because you know if if anybody's read my bio on air at readersandrootworkers.org, um you know that i kind of got into uh the occult and mysticism and such very early and um Whenever I was around eight or nine, I started playing around with, um, you know, melting down candles that I'd already had or buying some at the, uh, you know, the local Dollar Tree little votives and then melting them down and remaking them into something else or, you um, Really, that's pretty much what it is, what it was. I would I would find or buy candles or, or or candles that weren't no good anymore that maybe were burned a few times and you know family thought it was ugly and they're like oh I'm gonna throw this away no I'll I'll take that uh, I'll melt it down and make something out of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, then as I, as I got a little older, uh, my mom started to encourage this because she's a very crafty person as well, and um, she got me a little um, craft. Uh, wax melter. Unfortunately, the the ones that they made whenever I started doing this that you could get at the craft stores was a very shallow well. And it was just a little it's kind of like an easy bake oven, but not as bulky. And it just had mm-hmm. a shallow well just about the size of the little cake pans that would go in an easy bake oven. Um, so it was really hard to work with that. And, um, you know, being a kid and uh not having a whole lot of money I didn't have a whole lot of um ability to go out to like things like Michael's and and other craft stores and whatnot to get like dyes. so I would um I thought you know well you know crayons are made out of wax you know maybe I can use that and I did um unfortunately which a lot of people still try to do that today um unfortunately whatever's in a crayon um when you add it to paraffin wax and you try to burn it especially if you're trying to get a bold color it just makes the candle burn so fast so you end up with this giant tunnel all the way through it or you end up with like webbing from the outside edges um it's not very pretty it doesn't work really well i don't recommend it if you're going to try to do candles i definitely you know recommend going and trying to get real dye real real products not not trying to cut cut corners with it um but then as i got older um I stopped doing things like um because I was originally using uh what what are they um the little canisters for film for camera
4: hmm
3: and i would I would use that to make little pillar candles <laughs>
4: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> and um as I got older and my mom realized that I was getting more into it um you know whenever she bought me that other melter, she started to buy me a few um candle molds. And I was always fascinated as a kid growing up with all of the candles and things that my great-grandmother and my grandmother had. So they had a lot of those things, like you were talking about, those original style things that were mainly holiday-related. So there were, mm-hmm. you know, really skinny, tall Christmas trees or nutcrackers or, um, you know, the, the Holy Family uh, on, on the side of a pillar. You know, kind of like etched, kind of like a belt buckle kind of deal. Um, so I would always try to collect these things whenever they wanted to get rid of them or whatnot. And unfortunately, the collection mm. that I have had has either melted in a in a building somewhere or has broken during moves. So I have very little of some of those older ones, but I still have a few. Um, and I always try to keep a lookout nowadays um, when I go to thrift stores and things or estate sales. Um, to try to look for intact candle candles that are old and aren't made anymore because then mm-hmm. I can set them aside and hopefully in the future, you know, make them because I think they're I think they're really neat. <laughs> but that was before I yeah. started to sell them. <laughs> I, I, um,
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here for just a second about the Crayola as dye. I've successfully used Crayola as a dye for mm-hmm. years and years and years. But yep. on on dipped candles. They burn beautifully if you put in just the right no- amount of Crayola coloring on a dip candle. They are not so great for can type candles. Uh you end up with a lot of crunk at the bottom and stuff. It's weird. Yep. But um I I first used um Contadina tomato paste cans to make little candles. And um then I graduated to larger, you know, cans, and uh, that uh, using the Crayolas was not so good on the canned candles, but it was really nice for the dipped candles. Just my opinion. Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. Yeah, people so have been curious, using Crayola you, for a Were a while. you talking to,
5: oh, sorry, Conjurvane, go ahead. No, I was just going to say people have been using Crayola colored candles or uh, Crayola colors for a long time. I remember playing around with them. It does take a little bit to sort of figure out the right amount in order to get the dye to work. Uh mm-hmm. you gotta play with you gotta play with it. But once you get the yeah. hang of it, they do make fantastic dip candles.
2: Yeah. They're really great. So what were I'm, you gonna say, James?
5: I was
3: just curious, did you mean like uh dipped from from uh you know just the wick? or using a base candle?
2: Yes, uh, dipped candles made with a small wooden bar with two mm-hmm. nail bent right. nails on it. The wick comes up, does a half hitch, goes around to the next nail, half hitch and down. You dip them in. You you arrange them to dip on the back of two facing or a row of facing dinner chairs, dinner table chairs that are all the same kind of square backs. And you just go up and down. You dip next, 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 and by the time you come to the end of the row, you walk around, you're at the beginning of the row, and you do the next. Over the course of doing that, you have to have a flat pan that's hot on the stove that um, you will melt, because it will tend to drip downward, and the wick ends up way up, you know, it's too much wax at the bottom. So you... Um, Burn, not burn, but melt off the bottom edges as you go so they don't have that nipple on them. And then that's it. You just keep going and going and going. You can then make um, different colors. You can then carve them, and you'll end up with um, like sort of leaf shapes carved out. and It can be quite beautiful. You can do them rainbow style where you successively dip like you might start with Yellow all the way up until you get a nice good shoulder, and then you're going to orange, and then you go to red, and so so forth, purple, so all the way down to indigo blue, and you've got some sort of a rainbow candle. It's it's a style. Then you want to seal it with one final seal to get all those layers even, and there you go, all done. It's I used to do this for a living.
3: I wonder if the reason maybe that it works better for dipped candles versus something molded like what you were talking about with like a a can candle, Um, it might be just because of that cooling process in between layers. Maybe there's some kind of chemical process that happens that makes it a little more sturdy.
4: Um, I have
2: a different theory. My theory is that the dye uh, in those tends to be heavier, and the darker the color is, the heavier it is. I'm sure you've had that, uh, that happen where the black dye, just if you use too much black dye, it goes to the, the bottom, bottom of the can, right? And it's the same true with glass candles that are um, black. They tend to not burn very well because the carbon in them is... Screwing up the burn, so in a in a it's I think there's more about airflow as well because when dip candles burn they burn down as opposed to a can candle or even a like a skull candle which makes a well and once it has that well it's not getting a lot of airflow and things and it kind of goes down inside. That's my theory on it. I I love working with Crayola, dyes. Um, it's colors are very vibrant and very interesting and of course you can mix them and make all kinds of fun things. But that's just me. You can also take Crayolas and uh do candles that are kind of like a nondescript color and then, you know, go your last few dips into some real intense Crayola color. It's fun. You know, I've done it Just saying. Well, and they have (laughs) to revisit that, you know. Yeah, well, (laughs) those aren't aren't unusual figural candles. The problem with figural candles, and let's talk about this for a moment if we can. The problem with figural candles, and you mentioned the skinny Christmas trees, figural candles have to be designed in a conic shape to burn well. They have to be basically like a fatter dipped candle. The more they deviate from that, the less well they will burn, or the more they will fall apart. And this is fine, you know. You might have a, a candle with them. Um, oh my gosh, just a uh, a horse, and there's a wick on the horse's head, and it burns, and the horse's head falls off, and the rest of it's just a bunch of wax, right? But when people are burning candles metaphysically, they go, oh, my God, my horse's head fell off, and they are looking to interpret it. So you cannot make figural candles of every kind. That's why, for instance, the black cat tail-up candle, The there are two ways to do it. Either the cat is sitting up with a very long neck like a sort of a 1950s Siamese cat statue, and its tail curled around the bottom, which makes it conical in shape, or the candle is made so that the cat's head is at the bottom, it's almost resting on its paws, its back is arched up, and its tail is where the wick is, and that burns. Because you have to remember that pieces will drop off, that's a fire danger, but also people are so interested in getting signs and omens. Um, I, we just had a, a, a person in the forum, who said, I burned a, a man and a woman candle to break up two people, and the man's face fell off, and he was left lying on the on the uh, surface, the table surface, staring up at the woman that I wanted him to leave. What does it mean? Well, it means he's still looking at her, obviously, even if he's burning up, he's still looking at her. His face fell off intact. And so this is something very important to understand when making figural candles, is to have good molds. Because the mold, you can, make, you can cast wax into any shape, but can you burn it? You know what I'm talking about, James?
5: Absolutely, because I've actually wasted a, a good bit of money on some, some molds that are quite
3: useless. Um, for instance, I have a really large 10-inch um, cross candle. But it's very unfortunate because it's so large that the arms of the cross just fall off. The entire right. arm, it just goes right down the center like a like a, a, a regular pillar candle would or a, a taper candle would. So mm-hmm. absolutely, yeah. It, it's really important to figure out how you're going to, if you're, especially if you're just designing, you know, for uh, candle molds, then you need to, I, I agree, it needs to be like a conical shape, something where it's a little thinner at the top and gets a little thicker at the bottom. Um that that's like um, I, I mentioned, uh, nutcracker candles. Those are a bit strange too because they're a bit bulky around the center, um, mm-hmm. and the sides of those seem to either want to fall inwards to the towards the flame, can snuff out the flame, or it can bend outwards and fall off completely, like the arms of the cross. So.
2: And and for uh, people who are not. Familiar by Nutcracker, you don't mean a little metal walnut cracker. You mean the figure of the soldier character who is the Nutcracker in the Nutcracker Suite, right? Correct. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Because I'm going. How could you make a candle in the form of a Nutcracker? Okay, I understand. The the there's other ones that have problems like that too. Some of them are made wide enough with a thin enough wick where they will just simply burn a well and be done with it. There used to be a company that made um, little Thanksgiving candles with turkeys and pilgrims, and the pilgrims were just burned through the center, and they were sort of a squat conical shape. The turkey had a little tail and everything, but it was big enough that it would just burn down the well, and you were good. You didn't have You know, things catching fire and everything was pretty nice. I was always sad to see them go, though. And I know what you mean about searching eBay and places to find unburned novelty candles of the 1950s and 60s is a a trip. How about you, you, What Did you have figural candles when you were young? Yes,
5: a lot of figural candles. Um, My very first a conjure teacher, Mama J, used figural candles a lot. It was actually one of the interesting things because in Virginian conjure, candles aren't that big. Uh, they're mm-hmm. there. We use candles, but we're uh, it, it's old-timey hoodoo with jars and dirts. I mean, even all the oils that we had, there was basically like a blessing oil and a cursing oil, and that's kind of it. Um, so Virginian Conjury didn't use too many candles, but my teacher did. She was sort of unique in the same way that she also read tarot, where a lot of her contemporaries were reading playing cards. But mm-hmm. uh, she did use a lot of figural candles, and so I was introduced to figural candles very early on. The very first figural candle I used was actually a uh, red devil candle, uh, which we used for a hot footing working, uh, and it worked very, very well. Um, And we, the crucifix or the cross of figural candles Mm -hmm. were very popular. The Adam and Eve were very popular. I've never actually poured or molded a figural candle myself. I've always bought them from supply shops and whatnot. I've made dip candles before on Mm -hmm. my own, but but I don't have the molds for uh, figural candles. But they do feature quite prominently in my work and they've been part of my work from very early on. They have a great approach in which there's the traditional Adam and Eve, which can operate as both a figural candle and even as a sort of doll baby. But the unique mm-hmm. moles that you find in figural candles is where that's where you get some really cool conjure working. Um, mm-hmm. I'm thinking here of the Lucky Mojo, a pay me devil spell that you've got up on. Mm-hmm. And I forgot which page it is. Hopefully someone can post it, though. I think the chat's still down. Um, that's an example of just like the cool things you can do with these unique molds. Um, I never encountered the witch, figure candle or the Baphomet figural candle until much later. Once I mm-hmm. saw them, they're very cool, but the traditional devil one, which is like long and thin and got horn. Oh my God. What a fantastic working. I use that devil candle both for hot footing work, for crossing work for conjuring work, things in regards to like the spirits of the dead, demons, etc. But it can also be used in love working to add a little bit of heat. So one of my favorite workings is to take the red devil candle, specifically for if you want to heat things up. This is not for long-term romance. I would not do this for someone you were trying to love forever, but this is for someone you want to hook up with. You want to get them infatuated and passionate about you. You get the red devil candle, uh, you oil it in fires of love and come to me oil, and then you stud it with cuba berries. And what I mean is that you press the cuba berries, you use a nail, heat it up, create a little bit hole, and then you stud this uh, red devil candle with cuba berries. Then you Mm -hmm. light the candle and say, red devil, red devil, make them hot for me. Make them come to me from wherever they are. And you burn it down over seven days, calling on the devil to sort of inflame their loins. And it works. You're going to get laid if you do this working. But mm-hmm. I've always found that it doesn't really produce long-term love results. So you'll get like a nice love affair. You'll get a passionate hookup. But it's not going to lead to something more long-lasting.
2: That's a really good old one. And um, I put that right up there with some others that um, – Studying candles with cloves, studding them with pins. Um, One thing I always recommend, if you are using human figural candles and you're doing uh, love work, you want to do something that pays attention to their heart area, their genital area. I've spoken on this show before about pregnancy spells where you take soft wax and make a baby bump with a little mustard seed in the center with a face of the mustard seed and uh, put the baby bump on the woman. And oil that candle. That leads us to the idea of using candles as doll babies. Do you really want to burn a candle that you just put a baby bump? Not necessarily. You might want to just keep it. So keeping especially human figure candles as uh, dolls is very cheap way to make a doll. And you can do mm-hmm. all kinds of Things with it, the other thing studying candles with um, pins and needles can be used in uh, cursing and hatred spells and uh, one of the common things is if you're burning a a uh, sexual member candle and you want someone to have pain or disease in their sexual member you will put in some oh, uh, some you know destruction oil or something red pepper powder and then heat up pins to be red hot and stick them in the relevant organ another thing you can do is do that on a standing figural candle and you can also do that in a skull candle and one of the ways that I do with a skull candle is to stick uh, pins or needles into the eyes so they don't see you but Let's go back to the unusual candles because there's some that are very, very Mm -hmm. odd. And I've made a point of collecting them Miss Cat. I'm just gonna Yes. Phyllis Margaret
1: Gabor writes that she has one of the creepiest antique candles, the scene of a family in a cabin with the dad carrying a slaughtered lamb. And they've always used it as a Christmas candle. It's large and has a middle part that you replace so you don't burn the whole candle.
2: Holy moly.
4: Yeah, that is really
2: run. crazy. Okay. Thank that's you, Phyllis Barber That is nutso. <laughs> I've seen some some really nutso so ones. Um, <laughs> that's, so that's, that's
3: kind really of like really... a kind of like a hurricane candle. So where you have a candle inside of a a, a, a walled wax a wax wall. Yes. So that it lights. It's also up like up that, that graveyard.
2: Yeah, it's like that graveyard candle I was telling you about too, where the dead body is put inside the graveyard and it becomes mm. sort of an act. There are some other ones that are very odd. Um, they come from Peru. They're made of a softer petroleum wax, not melty like uh, glass candle wax, but they're they're moldable, and they are in the form of an apple, and they, the apple has been cut with a lid, and you pull the lid off, um, you know, the top of the apple off, and inside there are two tiny little male and female Adam and Eve figures. And... You are to, um, and there's a wick that runs up through it, right? So you are to dress the Adam and Eve and name them and put them in the candle and then set the whole apple on fire, presumably for sexual connection. It's a very strange candle. Yeah, they're very cool. I haven't been able to get them since COVID. We used to sell them like hotcakes. And then there also are the divorce candles where the people are back-to-back with a taper between them and you burn them down, and it separates them. Those have become common. They were very hard to find. When I was young, I never saw them, and I got some from Bolivia, uh, from a guy who imported oddities from Bolivia. He was not a magical supplier at all, and I had a um, a form a cast, and that kind of brings us to another topic, which is where did these molds come from? So... Um, Nowadays, a lot of people use silicone molds, and they will allow you to make very elaborate castings that are very detailed But back in the day, there used to be a company called Porette, and Porette um made two part hard plastic molds with little r- rims on them and little sliders that would kind of hold them closed and you'd have to by hand when you bought them you had to cut out a little hole and run the wick through and it was not the easiest thing in the world but you could, they were little holders that held them upside down and you could always cast them upside down of course and um well, maybe I shouldn't say, of course. The reason you cast them upside down is that wax shrinks, and then you have to pour and even out the bottom so they stand nice. So you don't want to put them have the head be shrunken away. You want the base to be a little shrunken. You can top it off if you have to. Anyway, so you pour them upside down. The Pour Red Company had, was, held people's molds for them and had I don't know, a thousand different molds. And um, you could buy, some of them were open stock and you could buy the molds and make them yourself. And other ones, if you had a mold made, they would keep your mold privately, secretly for you and would not sell it to anybody else. And then one day, the Pourette Company disappeared. And that led to a complete implosion of the molded candle world and then an explosion as everyone moved to silicone molds and um, and the idea of limited edition candles took off. So somewhere between when Porret went out of business and when everybody all of a sudden had molds, there was um, a place called Candle Mold Vault, and some of you may remember it, and they bought most of the Porret materials, and they had collected... There was uh, two people who ran it, and they had collect many, many, many old molds, and they became sort of the supplier. But once the cat was out of the bag or the genie out of the bottle, everybody on Etsy, everybody on eBay was making molds and selling molds. And this has been going on for about, what do you say, 10 or 15 years, James? Uh
3: yeah, I mean, I would say that's whenever I started seeing those kind of silicone molds because before then, the only thing that I'd ever seen anywhere, in, including in the craft stores, was those double-sided, two, two-piece plastic molds. Um, mm-hmm. I've got some really mm. old ones that, that actually still say Porette on them that uh, mm-hmm. I had gotten from, from various
2: stores. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they are. you can still find Porette molds. Somebody else is making them now. But they used to say sayPoorette on them, that's true and um they were kind of like um really important in the development of figural candles. If you sent them i did I sent them um candles that I've gotten from Bolivia, for instance, I said, "Can you make a mold from this?" And they'd pour and they'd, say, "Well, you know, I'm having a little problem with this. it's you know I'm going to have to add a little bit, we're gonna have to add some you know claim they'd make a plaster master." and they'd send you the plaster master for approval, and you'd send it back, and then they'd pull molds off of your plaster master. Um, Now things have changed so much, and we've really entered the era of artisanal figural candles. And anyone can make um, a design they think will work. Not all of them work. There used to be a candle that was a green pyramid candle for money with an eyeball on the side of it. And it was just perfect. The the, the um, proportions of it just really ran just right. Over the years, it, it weighed so much and the price of wax rose. So people began, and it was supposed to look like the pyramid on the dollar bill. And it was sort of tall. And then it got skinnier and skinnier until it became like one of those skinny Christmas trees. It was like a little like the Transamerica Pyramid the skyscraper building in San Francisco. It didn't look like the pyramid on the, on the dollar anymore. Somebody else just said, the hell with this, and they went back to a shorter pyramid with the actual proportions of the Egyptian pyramids at Giza. But it's interesting how the cost of wax also has driven the um, changes in figural candles.
3: You know, I'd never thought of it that way. why the reason why you know some would be really skinny versus you know bigger or thicker.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Then no, those twelve-inch marriage candles, you know, yeah, you can still buy them, but my gosh, that's a lot of wax, and the the price is, is. according. Yeah. <laughs> we have we have that mold, and it is about
3: a pound of wax per candle, <laughs> a little over. Yeah. Um, so it's quite a lot. <laughs>
4: well, and, and this
3: thing speaking of goes... the eye of providence, we have that one as yeah. well. Um, it's a shorter one, it's not the taller one. Um, but I think it's yeah. a newer style mold than the older one you were speaking about.
2: Yeah. Yeah, the old one was like 8 inches tall, I think. Um, but oh, it yeah, then ours became, you know, <laughs> it's, it's um, you know, it's funny, you know, these these fashion things change, you know, it's like uh, you can't go out and buy a 19 19- 25 model t ford anymore either you know Um, unless you buy a used one (laughs) so but then people bring back some of these old ideas and there's a, a another thing about these candles sometimes people find a candle that's molded very pretty and they go what will i use it for That becomes a whole issue in and of itself. Now, one of the pictures we used um, in advertising this show is a pirate's treasure trunk, which came from your website, right, James? Correct. Yeah. Now, I'm going to ask you, do you make that as a treasure candle, or you just put it as a straight-up candle? I make it as
3: a treasure candle.
2: Okay, great. So let's talk about treasure candles because that's unusual too. Ah, uh, yeah,
5: I've never even heard of them before.
2: Well, all right. I'm going to start. I'm going to go back in history, and I'm going to turn it over to James. So going back in history, <laughs> there was a kind of candle called the candle of seven knots, and it you the just seven where, knots. I know, yeah. Yeah, you took the wick and you took seven, these came out of Mexico usually, but you could make them yourself. You took seven milagros, you know, like a a little boy praying, a little girl praying, you know, pair of eyes, whatever it is, breasts, um, you know, a leg, foot. You strung them on the wick and tied a knot so they would be like, um, you know, beads on a chain. And then you cast that in a uh, tin can mold, you know, Mm -hmm. just a straight up mold. Then as they burned it, it's like a seven knob candle, but it's a seven knot candle. And when it all burns down, you're left with these seven beautiful brass milagros at the bottom. And um, they are then to be used, you know, religiously or in prayer or devotionally or whatever you want to do with them. Those then became of interest. There's this woman named Abby. She's long gone, bless her soul, a wonderful person. She had a company called Abby's Candles. And she was making those. She learned about. She lived in Arizona and she'd learned about them from Mexican candle makers. But she said, you know, I'm going to put stone chakra beads on. So, you know, she had amethyst and lapis and you name it. She made a little chakra candle and it would burn down and you'd end up with these seven beautiful chakra beads and then she started also making straight-up treasure candles, so did others at that point, in which there would be a mystery in it. Well, you'd get something. Now, it had to be something uh, made of a material that would withstand flame and wouldn't melt, but you'd get something at the end. It would be usually, a it could be tumble-polished rocks. She made them with tumble-polished rocks that were not strung on the wick, but just in the wax, and these were treasure candles, and she always guaranteed you'll get something really nice if you buy this candle, so that's why I asked James, "Do you make treasure candles with your treasure chests?" You see.
3: Right. Um,
2: I, what I normally like to fill
3: um, ours with, just because I have an, an abundance of them, is um, the you know the little Chinese I Ching coins, um, and then oh, you yes. can carry those around as, as and because they fit perfectly over a a wick um, and. It it, it turns out really nice. And then you can carry those around as like a little, you know, amulet or talisman or something in your pocket or a a prosperity mojo or something like that. I mean, but we do um, just make it as just a candle as well. Um, And I've been toying with the idea of maybe getting different little charms and things um,
4: Mm -hmm. and,
3: and putting those in there. And then um, I've also thought about things that, you know, might not be like you were talking about the materials important, right? Um, I've, I've, seen where people um companies have have done things where they take aluminum foil and they wrap something in aluminum foil and put it within Mm -hmm. the candle somewhere um and i'm toying with doing that i need to do a few test burns just to see how that works out make sure it doesn't cause a fire hazard or something (laughs) but right um
5: yeah
2: there's a number of ways ways to do this and um I learned a lot from Abby, um, of Abby's Candles, about making treasure candles. She loved to make them. She also would make them by pouring in layers in a, a, you know, pillar-type mold. So you pour, you put a treasure in, you pour, you put a treasure, pour, put a treasure, and so forth like that. You get to the top, Now you have something that has layers. So then you have to dip that repeatedly to cover up the view of those layers. Okay, this and, uh, makes more
5: sense when, when when it comes to treasure candles because I've seen the layered candles and the Milagros and the knots. <laughs> but now now I'm starting to visualize it better.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a very it's a very fun style of working, and um, it kind of goes along with some of the old 1930s ways of having incense that had little metallic numbers in them, and when you um, burned the incense, which was sort of a a, a triangle shape, a thick triangle, not a cone, but just a thick triangle, and um, that stood upright. And when you burned them, if you didn't disturb them, you'd see the numbers in metal came out in the ashes. So that, as far as I know, numbers come out in the ashes. Incense predates treasure candles. But treasure candles became very popular during the hippie era. I certainly made my share of them. And um, you had to watch out because some things would crack if they were too close to the flame. Other things Mm -hmm. were fine, you know. I mean, it's nothing sadder than cracking a a beautiful piece of amethyst. That gave me a great idea
3: of using – because, you know, um, the the things that came out, what were they called? Origami owl. And they had those little – um, charms that didn't have holes in them but just little charms like a, that would go like mm-hmm. in a, a I guess a charm bracelet or something they have numbers mm-hmm. for those and I could put those in the treasure chest to do something mm-hmm. very yeah.
2: similar yeah you That's could a have idea. exactly you could have numbers come out in the candle for betting and also having some Chinese cash coins would be super great I mean there's a million way to make that kind of treasure treasure candles i love them a lot now you also had another candle which was uh, a sun it's just sort of a, a flat candle with a golden wax with the sun on it so i have to ask you do you have ones with the moon do you have ones with the stars i have one with the moon so we
3: have a crescent um that, that it comes with it's about the same size takes about the same amount of wax weighs about the same um so they they kind of go as like a pair um if you wanted to do something either solar related or lunar related or something over a, a, a period of time, um, mm-hmm. I like to use those for that.
2: Okay, that's or for a like that's growing a really things and, and whatnot. Yeah, see, that's a really nice um, idea. Now, you also had one that was just alarming to me. We put it front (laughs) and center, and the placard, it's a sphinx cat. In other words, a non-furred cat, a naked cat with a third eye, and it's pink. What the hell
4: is that? (laughs) (laughs) I
2: actually
3: really love that candle. Um, It the, the way that I think that, that I typically think to use it and I haven't had to use it um, yet, but the way I plan to use it is to, um, anoint it in like, um, psychic vision oil. Um, Mm
4: -hmm. and then maybe
3: clarity oil on the eyes and then maybe putting some herb, um, psychic vision herbs inside of that eye, because it's a little indented. So it would kind of be like, a. uh, Filling it in with, uh, you know, how you fill in um, metal metal things with uh, resin. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what I wow. mean?
2: Yeah, I do. Yeah.
3: Wow. So I think that would I think that would be a really neat way to work that candle. Wow. That's very wow. cool.
5: I think one of the things we should mention here too is that what, what's awesome about these figural candles and the uh, unique molds is that figural candles don't always have to be burned down. We talk about right. candles exclusively through burning mm-hmm. them, and that, that is an incredibly powerful magical act, but they can also be loaded and fixed as altar items. Like I have skull candles for clients that you, know, you work on long-term or for people that you're working on long-term, you don't have to burn that skull candle down. It's, it's, it's Absolutely loaded and becomes true. A, an altar object that you can then continue to influence on the altar.
2: Right, that's a, That is really true. And if you go to some of the very old um, European cathedrals, you'll see an old, old candles that someone donated that were never burned. They're just kept. Wax is very stable if the temperature is right for the wax, and um, the harder the wax, um, without being brittle, it has to be hard and somewhat um, stable. You know, uh, you can actually save wax candles for years. As I said, we have these old pilgrims and and little uh, turkeys and Santa Clauses, little baby chicks. Nobody wants to burn those anymore. They're just beautiful little uh, wax art, and that is so true. You can take and cut a candle from the bottom and load it and finish it that way. Or if you are gifted, or you could hire someone like James and Art. What if I came to you, James and Art, and said, I want you to make me a loaded Candle. Here is the stuff I want you to put into it. Would you Would you cast me a special candle loaded from within with the things I needed in it?
3: Absolutely, because I actually have one candle in mind for that. Um, speaking of a candle that you want to keep on your altar as a as an altar piece or a shrine piece, we have an Art Deco urn that we have. And I would like to have where some people send in a small little pinch of maybe a loved one that had passed away that had maybe been cremated because, you know, those urns and things that they put them in can get knocked over. They can get spilled and all kinds of other things. But if you send in a little pinch, I might be able to put that in that urn wax. And then you have a piece that will last for quite a while unless it, you know, if it gets knocked over, it's not going to necessarily break. It's not going to scatter it everywhere. Um, and unless it gets really hot, it's not going to melt away and
2: burn. So what a great idea. And of course, Mm -hmm. also, um, if you take a candle that, um, that you are going to load from below and you use a pen knife or something to carve out a little divot, a little conical divot, put in what you want and then take the wax that you, uh, extracted from it, melted in a, you know, a ladle or spoon, pour it back in. It won't, you'll, you'll probably end up with a little extra, so just smooth it off. And that way you've loaded a candle from below. Very traditional way to work. If anyone is new to candles, they should be doing this. If you can actually make a candle with the person you love um stuff in it, whatever it may be. Be careful. Don't put paper in. When that hits the flame, boy, that'll be a mess. You know, uh, don't put hair in because, boy, that'll smell like hell when it when it burns, right? But there are things you can put in. For instance, if someone gave you a coin and, uh, and they said, here, you know, lucky coin for you, you can put that and cast it into a candle and just keep it as an altarpiece. No one will know. You could have a coin that someone you love gave you and you can put it in a candle that looks like a turkey from Thanksgiving. It doesn't really matter. It becomes a concealed spell or you can cast it into a treasure box. Um, I love the idea of custom casting. And that,
5: if, mm, that you yeah, that's can cool.
2: offer custom casting, because as what's happened with this um explosion in molds and the the kind of the breaking loose of the of the mold, um I don't know what you would call it, hegemony of Poiret, has become so uh, the sky's the limit. The, your your creativity is is out there. You can do whatever it is that you want to do to make a figural candle and make it your own. So. There's a and, and we didn't even really touch on color. You know, uh, candle colors used to be very, you know, white, green, red, black, yellow, orange. It's a hard can't, uh, color to get stable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, brown is pretty easy if you've got a mess of stuff. But um, there is so much more available now also in terms of color. And all these colors have meanings, and you can look up their meanings and find out about them.
3: And speaking of, you were talking about loading candles from the bottom. That is another service that we are um, thinking about offering as well is that, you know, as you were talking about earlier, you, you um, pour candles from the, the top to the bottom um, with the bottom up. So you, you end up with that well. Well, if that well is already there, we can leave that well, pour you a small little piece of wax that you could use to fill that, ship that, then you don't have to dig it out.
2: Oh, how nice. You, you I make mean? it with a divot make it with a divot in it and a plug. How right. cute is that? Um, yeah. Home loading your own candles. That's lovely. See, this is the thing that has really become um part of the metaphysical community is the crafting uh do it yourself community. And anybody who's listening who's interested, there are very many um YouTube channels on candle making but also um James and Art are certainly there to help if you need help. And uh I have to say I am out of the candle casting community at this point. I I simply have others cast my candles for me, but after a good 25 30 years of casting candles, um I could go back into it, I suppose, if I had to, if the world came to an end. But but I'm, I'm just glad to sit on the sidelines and watch the creativity flow with these unusually shaped candles. Oh, another one. The coffin candle that you um that has a lid, and you open it up and there's a dead person, a little skeleton in it. It's all candle. The, the the person can be burned, but the coffin is just cast of wax with a lid. It's another one that I've seen come out of Bolivia and Peru. Well, our time is up.
3: Well, I love that. I even learned
0: something. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com. And by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org. And by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call 1-888-4-HOODOO or visit hoodoopsychics.com. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Tonight, we have our guest calling in from Pennsylvania. It's Miss Phyllis from 814. She has not had a reading on this session previously. And she writes... Recently, I've become more aware of the spirits around me and am interested in developing a closer connection with them. How many spirits are around me? Any hints at who they may be? Is there anything they're trying to tell me or guidance they're trying to provide? Anything they would prefer as gifts or offerings? Turning it over to you, Ms. Kat.
2: Wow, what an interesting question. Um, Phyllis, um, what sign of the zodiac are you? Hi, I'm the Gemini. Gemini, well, I bet you have a lot of spirits around you. First thing we know about Gemini's is anything that anyone can do, they can do it six different ways. (laughs) Um, uh, We did a a show on healing spirits. I think you were there in the chat um, with Deborah Voith, and that was so interesting because... um, Healing spirits are one class. Then there's ancestral spirits. Then there are what we would call religious figures. Then there are land spirits, you know, spirits of the area in which you live. So I'm going to be unable at this point to give you, you know, every spirit. But I'm going to cut my deck three times and see what I get, okay? So card number one. I have the Knight of Pentacles. Well, this would be a land spirit. It's a spirit of oak trees in the background. You know these cards, I believe. Oak trees, there's plowed ground. Here we have a a dark-haired man. He's on a black horse, and he's holding a coin, and he has oak leaves in his helmet and oak leaves and acorns in his horse's headband. So this is a spirit of the land and a spirit of the oak. And this could also be considered to be a male energy. It also could be a spirit of horses. So we might call him agrarian. We might call him um a pastoral. He's he's a he's a spirit of the land. Whereabouts do you live? I'm in Pennsylvania. I'm Pennsylvania. Oh well that's good. Sylvania means forest. Good, I like that. Um, do you, do you live in a city or in a rural or a suburban area? I'm in a tiny town, about two thousand people. Good for you. I'm- so this is this is a spirit of the land. The offerings you would make to the land would be, of course, to uh, revivify the land. To uh, you know, offer water if it's dry. Offer seeds to be planted. Offer fertilizer, hopefully organic and not uh, awful artificial fertilizer. Um, maybe making some um, swales or berms so that the water doesn't run off a hill, doing something for the land. The offerings you make usually with earth spirits are offerings of work. But you can also, this guy has a big coin in his hand, you can also offer to buy land and set it aside for the use of animals or join with other people to make a, uh, a sanctuary for Animals and Plants. Um, this is a... Uh, the offerings that the earth asks for are very simple. This is a great card for an earth spirit. I I have to say I'm drawn to earth spirits myself because I'm a Taurus. And um, is always good if they will grow in your area. And caring for the stewards of the oaks which are usually squirrels squirrels and oaks is like you know go together like a horse and carriage you know what i mean so make sure you have a nice home for squirrels they love oak trees and they do well around oaks so that's what i would do for that now the next card i have is a spirit of air this is the king of swords so the spirit of air the king of swords shows a man who has clouds around him. He's out in nature, and there are two birds flying overhead. He has emblems of butterflies on the banner behind him and also emblems of the crescent moon waxing and waning, and he holds a sword. So this is a spirit of air who's around you, and this spirit is particularly interested in birds. So again, we would see these are two very, these are court cards. These are noble spirits. And the offerings that you would give to the air would certainly be food for birds, food for butterflies, pollinator plants, and uh, observances at the changing of the moon, at the crescent moons. Um, Certainly working with the moon would be something to do if you're working with spirits of air. There's also this sword, and we people always say, "Why is sword air?" And you always, you know, when you're a teacher, you whip around your hand like this imaginary sword, and you go, you know, like a sword whoosh, through the air. But actually, if you were a little more calm, uh, you might say, "Wind chimes, put up some wind chimes." And um, it needn't be a sword, but is something that will uh, catch that little bell sound because air is prayer. Air is voice, the sound of the bell, an Aeolian harp, which is run by the wind. Something of that nature would invite the air spirits. Okay? Now I'm going to do a third card. And our third card is not a court card. It's a trump card, and it's the hermit. And the hermit is a card of that which is hiding or hidden. And Here we have a man who's on an icy mountain holding a lantern and he has a staff and he's looking down below, but he's not joining into the marketplace. So this is a quiet spirit, a spirit that you would seek out, but they would not seek you out. He has a lantern and says, you can come to me. He's not running around looking for clients, you know what I mean? Like, hi, I'm your spirit. Come here. No, he's not (laughs) that guy. He's, He's a quiet spirit. He could be a hermit. Now, that's sort of interesting because in Pennsylvania, there was sort of a history of some of these hermit groups, you know. You know what I'm talking about, people who withdraw from society. And I would say there may be a, this would be an older spirit, it's a human spirit rather than earth or air. And um, he seems to be a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of, uh, particularly in winter or in old age. And he has a lantern as his symbol. So what would he like as an offering? I would presume this is an old, you know, candle lamp with a star, a six-pointed star in it, no less. But, you know, you could put a a lantern out. Hang a lantern on the porch or whatever and uh, say, you know... uh, Man of mystery, man of the caves, you know, man of the mountains, whoever he is, um, you know, uh, welcome you, you know, because this is a shy spirit, um, a hermit spirit, and may only have um, something to tell you if you go into his world, which may be out in nature somewhere in a hidden place. Usually hermits are associated with mountains and caves, especially caves on top of mountains. So if you know of any such a place uh, to go to, or quiet places, you know, alone in the woods, sometimes by a waterfall is also a place where you might meet a hermit. So that's what I see for you. Three spirits, all right? Thank you. All right, I'm going to turn this over uh, to... um, I guess we're going to get it here with um, james to read for you spirits he sees around you
3: thank you miss cat um, i've also pulled you three cards and as Ms cat said um, i'm also a believer that you know e- even even those that are not gemini's have multiple spirits around them so <laughs> um regardless of who pulled what on uh, or what kind of reading you're going to get i'm sure that somebody would get any uh, you know some kind of spirit so um, I've got three more here for you. There are three different distinct type of beings. Um, the first one we have here uh, is, is represented by the Knight of Wands. Um, so if you're familiar with this card from the uh, Rider Waite deck, um, it is a knight on a horse that's rearing back and, and getting ready to charge. And um, the knight is wearing uh, a tunic of some kind, that's yellow and has salamanders on them. So what I got whenever I seen this card was immediately that there's an elemental salamander fire spirit around you and a masculine one at that. Um, and being wand and, and being fire that tells me that, you know, it would be it would it, it would in being of a spirit of fire, that it would like to have a fire offering to it. But also with that, um, this card shows us a desert. Um so I feel like there's, you know, there's always a balance in some things. So I feel like offering a little water to this spirit as well, even though it's a fire spirit, um, would be beneficial. Small food, small drinks um, would be very beneficial and, and get them to help connect with you more. Um, I'm not sure what kind of element you're usually uh, connected to, but uh, if, you're, if you're lacking in, in that connection with your fire element, this might be a good uh, thing to pursue. The second part I have is the Three of Cups. So this shows three women um, with cups raised in the air um, around each other. This tells me that it's a goddess. You have a goddess around you. So I'm not sure if you um, worship any kind of goddess. Um, immediately, the first thing that comes to my mind is a, a, a goddess like Hecate. Um, so a mother, maiden, crone kind of deal. Um, and being of of cups, um, this tells me that that she um, is is uh, looking for libations to be made to her. So again, a, a water or a wine offering, even. Um, and I would set out three distinct glasses for this um, deity. Um, so you may come up with three different different uh, liquids. So you know, for the the, the maiden, you might have uh, milk. The mother, you might have uh, water in the crone you might have uh, coffee or wine um, those are the things that immediately come to mind for me and the last card that I have here is the ten of cups so this shows uh, a rainbow which cups um, spread across it and a family with a man and a woman raising their hands towards the cups and two children dancing in the background in the house and a stream um, so this, whenever I pulled it, uh, I got the impression of an ancestor. There is some ancestor that is reaching out to you, and this card is also reversed. Um, and so was the the I'm sorry, the uh, three of cups was also reversed. So these two spirits are not something that's right in your face. They're not they're not things that are right in the forefront. Um, but they're trying to get your attention. Maybe maybe there's something that's keeping them from, from getting to you, or maybe there's some kind of mental blockage where you're just not seeing them, not hearing them. But I think that, um, you know, contraband will be able to give you something to help you connect with these spirits a little easier. Um, but, again, with the the uh, ancestor, I feel like a libation of sorts. So whenever you decide to or, or are able to uh, connect with this ancestor, I would try to figure out what kind of drink that they like. Um, it, you know, if it's, a, if it's a more recent ancestor, you know, they might like some type of pop. Um, and I say pop because you're from Pennsylvania. <laughs> um, or if they're from the south, they might like tea, you know. Um but I would try to figure out what that specific ancestor enjoyed to drink in their life. Um, one way you might be able to do that is, you know, to use a pendulum um, to set out some different glasses and some different drinks in them. And um, whenever you you make that initial connection, you can ask, you know, which one of these um, drinks would you like as an offering? Um, and then you can go further into that as to, you know, how, how often would they like it? Um, so that's that's what I have for you. And I hope that that, um, that me and this cat has given you something that you can, you know, start to connect with and, and work, work with.
2: Wow. All right. Well, let's turn this over to Contraman and he'll come up with some work for you.
5: Yeah, when you're trying to, you've gotten some fantastic readings here. Uh, There's a couple things to be aware of. When you're developing a relationship with spirits, go slow, Uh, and it does take time. The key word here is relationships. Um, I think Hollywood and pop culture have really skewed our understanding of how mediumship works how developing spiritual relationship books, people think that it sort of happens overnight or even within a month. It takes time, so you're going to have to cultivate this slowly. The best way to do so uh, that we find consistently is setting up dedicated space and time to commune with them. And you have books like Martin Coleman's uh, book, Communicating with Spirits. I think it's called. is really, really good that you could check out. Um, set up a table that you will dedicate to these entities to developing this relationship for developing your ability to commune with them for mediumship. Cover it in a white cloth and then place a bowl of Althea, a cup of water, and a white candle. These three items are really good at anchoring um, the spirits to this realm of building that relationship. Althea draws in good spirits, it cultivates a healing relationship, it cultivates a relationship of mediumship, and it brings in the good. Um, But also, they also represent in many ways different elements here. The Althea being very earthy, the candle being fire, and of course, the cup of water being water. Once a week, now you go, where's air? This cat mentioned air and the moon. So, well, once a week, what I want you to do is burn Master Key incense and Psychic Vision incense as you light this candle and during this time just commune ask for nothing just spend time listening hearing over time what you'll be able to do is distinguish between your thoughts and the voices of the spirits you'll start to hear distinct patterns distinct voices but it's going to take time you're just going to keep at it and for a while you may hear nothing at first you light your candle you light your incense you get your water you the all that present on your table and nothing, and that's okay. You add it, because once you, you keep adding, you'll be able to break through that wall and start to get results. Throughout the week, what I want you to do is pay attention to the things that you are given by nature, because the spirits will indicate to you how to cultivate a relationship. So for example, you might be wandering about and you find a really interesting hawk feather. Well, that feather should be taken back and placed on your altar. Or maybe you'll come across a squirrel giving you nuts, right? You should take that nut and bring it back to the altar. There is this thing in which the, as the altar builds, so too will your ability to commune with and build. You'll wake up and you'll taste something. You're like, why do I taste sweetness? Why do I taste honey? That gives you an indication that you should probably put a little bit of honey on this altar because you're, the spirits that you're communing with want honey in their offerings. Or you'll smell certain scents. Smell roses, okay? Phantom smells are probably one of the clearest indications of the presence of spirits. That means that you should put rose, whether it's rose water or rose flowers on this altar. Maybe you'll smell cigar smoke. Whatever it is, these things will indicate to you that they are communing with you, and they're making known what their interests are, and they're making known what their desires are, and the way that you can cultivate a relationship with them. Do this. Pay attention to the omens around you. Pay attention to your dreams. Remain steady and steadfast with this altar work, with this communing work. Keep the altar clean. Add to it as you get more and more indications and signs. Keep burning the incense and candle and offering the water and althea once a week, and you'll start to see results. I should also say here that as your reading was being done, I was working with my stone, and it is very clear that there is one spirit that is coming through very strongly among many, many others. This may be a teacher or a healer or perhaps someone that is ancestral. They are absolutely older. I think all three of us are picking up this idea that this is an older entity or spirit of some sort, and they will make themselves known more clearly than the rest. This is the spirit that will actually act as a guide to connect you with the other spirits that are around you. Let's see if my colleagues have anything further to add or any suggestions they'd like to make.
2: Yeah, that was really great, Kunderman. Um, So, yeah, we both saw, uh, James and I, and now you two have seen some older ancestral yeah, spirits, wise old. person spirit, the hermit, um, the 10 of cups, um, Definitely, along with these more elemental spirits so that's someone to pay attention to for sure thank you that's that makes a lot of sense um, how about you uh, do you have anything to add James
3: no I was just gonna say that um, I think conjure hit the nail on the head with it being uh, a spirit that helps connect um, okay because the first thing that I got was a gatekeeper whenever you first was reading this cat. Um, the mm-hmm. word that came to me was a gatekeeper spirit, something that helps you connect. So um, I definitely agree with that.
2: All right. Well, let's um, turn this over to uh, Nagashiva at the board somewhere in North Carolina and see what happens next.
0: see. <laughs> You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at luckymojo.com. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman. Sundays, 3 to 4.30. Mystics, Mages, and Magical Places with Reverend Art and Reverend James. Mondays, 4 to 5.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain in syndication. Tuesdays, The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Miss Phoenix LaFay in syndication. Tuesdays. The Now You Know Show with Professor Porterfield in syndication Wednesdays and The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Deborah Voith Thursdays 4 to 5 All time specific Add 3 Hours for Eastern Sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California and online at luckymojo.com
1: and now a few quick announcements about those ups, outstanding upcoming shows on the lmc radio network monday february 26th at 4 p.m pacific 7 p.m eastern on mystics mages and magical places with reverend james and myself reverend art we welcome deborah voice with a discussion on mediumship tuesday february 27th on the crystal silence league in syndication will be the topic of astral power part six on Tuesday, February 27th, on The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron, in syndication with Miss Elvira and Phoenix Lefay will be Ask a Witch, Part 3. Wednesday, February 28th, on The Now You Know Show, in syndication with Professor Porterfield, will be Jericho and Chamomile. And Thursday, February 29th at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron with Miss Elvira and Deborah Voith will be the topic, Crystals for Healing and Divination. And we have a few minutes before we can jump into the free spell segment. Miss Kat, did you have some Facebook Friday winners to announce?
2: Oh, did you know? <laughs> <laughs> you must be psychic. Uh, yes, Reverend Art, I have eight winners. They each won a Blessing Herbs Mixture Pack. And this is a, a, a package that we make up at Lucky Mojo of Blessing Herbs in a nice handy combination. And our winners are Marcy Comella, Sean Jordan, Kyla Simmons, Cecilia Fagan, Charlene Erickson, Angela Evola, Wilma Southwood, and Diana Carroll. And you will get a message from the Lucky Mojo page that you have to answer. Provide your shipping address so we can send you your prize. Remember, do not send your credit card number. We do not ask for anything. Watch out for scams. All we want is your shipping address, and we will send you your free handmade blessing herbs mix. All right, that's it for me.
1: And congratulations to all the winners.
2: And now it's time for our free spell
1: segment from our special guest, Reverend James of FolkConjure.com in North Carolina. Take it away, Reverend James.
3: Thank you, Reverend Art. This is a um, court case spell for uh, influencing the judge on your behalf. You will need one brown Hear No Evil, See No Evil, Speak No Evil monkey candle. It comes with three wicks on, under each monkey three square pieces of paper for petitions, Little John to chew or galangal root, sumac berries, poppy seeds, cascara sagrada, sugar, court case oil, and a fire-safe plate surface or area. Before you begin, bite the piece of the Little John and begin to chew it. Take your three petition papers, and at the beginning of each you may start with using the judge's name if you know it, the judge or he, his, him, you, your, etc. Um on the first, you will write in the center the judge or his name, then turn the petition counterclockwise and write three times across it will have no evidence against me or here no evidence against me, sorry. On the second, you will write in the center the judge and turn the petition counterclockwise and write three times across it will not see any evidence against me and on the third you will write in the center of the judge and then turn the petition counterclockwise and write three times across it will speak no convicting sentence against me or will speak no ruling against me depending on your situation begin anointing each monkey with court case oil from the top to the bottom while repeating your petition for each monkey Five spot each petition with court case oil, then put a little of the little John Tissue in the center of each and place them under the respective monkeys. Hear no evidence under the first, not see any evidence under the second, and speak no convicting sentence under the third. Take the sugar and make a clockwise circle around about an inch or two around the candle. Take your finger, lick it, and touch a spot on the circle. Bring it to your tongue and say as this sugar is sweet to me so too will the judge be sweet to me and favor me in this case you will start by chewing a little of the little john so that some of the juice whenever you lick your finger and touch the sugar transfers to that sugar circle do this eight more times going clockwise around that circle with roughly equal distance between each spot When you finish making the little divots in the sugar with your finger, go back to the first one you made and place a pinch of cascara sagrada and poppy seeds, and then place one sumac berry on the top. Again, continue clockwise and do this for each divot in the sugar. Light the candle from left to right. There are three wicks. And keep an eye on it as it burns. If you're adept at reading flame, smoke, or wax, each monkey may provide incense insight into your upcoming case in regards to how the judge will react and what he hears and sees and how he will respond once it is complete scoop up the nine little molds of herbs and put them in your pocket so as to give the appearance of pocket lint or in a mojo or a paper packet when you go to court and recite one of the following if the false testimony is spoken against you psalm 120 which starts i call on the lord in my distress and he answers me or for a general court case, Psalm 35, plead my cause, O Lord, with them that strive with me, fight against them that fight against me. If you're able to use a mojo or paper packet, also retrieve the petitions. divide in your mouth the remaining little john to chew into roughly three equal pieces and spit one piece of each into each petition, fold them away from you and place them in the mojo or packet and carry them in your pocket if a mojo or in your shoe if it's a paper packet. And if you have just the herbs in your pocket, be sure to sprinkle a little in the courtroom when you go.
2: And that's it. Really, really nice.
4: And so and what a great them.
2: candle. You know, um those um those see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil candles have been around for many, many, many years. And the uh using them this way is absolutely Fantastic. It's exactly the right thing to do. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> You're so inventive. I really like what you do. All right. I well, that. <laughs> <laughs> there's our music. So we're going to get some more announcements. And then um I may come back and have a few more words if we still have time. So let's turn this over to Reverend Art, and he will. Uh, get us through the next little announcing segment. Thank you,
1: Ms. Cat, and thank you, Conjurman. And thank you to Reverend James of FolkConjur.com in North Carolina for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when you'll be joined by Doc Murphy, bringing the topic of the Citadel deck. Once again, we've come to the end of of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find this Cat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Conjurman at conjurmanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your announcer, Reverend Dart, joining you from folkconjur.com in North Carolina. The Lucky Mojo Hooter Root Work Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archive via luckymojo.com forward slash radioshow.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at this same time when you'll hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thank you, everybody, and good night.
2: Thank you, Art, and thank you to all our patient and loyal listeners. We had no chat. I have took a few notes, and I hope others did too, and we'll put together a chat log at least a rudimentary one, so that people will have a, a little preview of what happened. The child logs are good because at the Lucky Mojo Forum, you can search for keywords and find out more about what the show is about by looking for those keywords and find shows on a topic that you like. All right. I guess we are now at the point where I have to say uh, we are about to bid adieu to Percy our worker who has worked with us and i'm so sad to see percy go he's been a yeah. great worker going on to other things waving goodbye to percy and um yes that probably does leave another opening um we are possibly looking for another cat bootsy is uh, you know the only cat left at lucky mojo if y'all have a spare cat um, that you want to, you know, find a good home for. Uh, we're open for cats. It should be a pretty cat. We want one that's not ugly. We would like pretty cats. So that's it for us. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. Good night. Blessings, everyone. <laughs>